0: Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz this Monday afternoon. For the next 16 minutes, you are on the call. 10 stocks, which you suggest we uh, take a look at. I put it to a put them to our expert panel for their view on them. So uh, a lot happening uh, today in a really good lo- uh, list of stocks, really diverse uh, list of stocks to take a look at. So thank you for sending them in. Uh, let's check in with our panel today. Uh, Rob Caller from Macro. Rob, how are you, sir? Good weekend.
1: Yep, fantastic. Thanks for having me, David. How was your weekend? Yeah, good.
0: Yeah, good. Nathan Thomas and Dharam from uh, Deep Data Analytics. Uh, mate, good to see you. Um, what were you cooking on the weekend?
2: Uh, I was trying to do a, another version of, uh, quick tacos. Um, this time adding Italian, uh, you know, you, you gotta do everything. you're in lockdown, you got limited choices. The only thing you can do is cook. So I'm going to do some dramatic changes. Yep. I love following you on
0: social media, and we get these insights into you as a a culinary guru as well as a share market one. So uh, it is a lot of fun. Hey, yeah, uh, let's get stuck straight into it. I thought we'd take a look at our stock of the day, one stock that I choose that's uh, that's in the news headlines, and um, now one never far from discussion here on the call and in the mining space, but. Uh, Largely staying under a lot of radars is the Aussie lithium and iron ore plate mineral resources, up over 75% in the last year. Company out this morning with the big news, it's pulling the trigger on its 5.4% stake in lithium specialist Pilbara Minerals. Uh, They're going to bring in about $330 million from the trade. Uh, The move follows a Pilbara Minerals share price that uh, is about 500%. Uh, better since mineral resources first bought in um, in October 2016. As far as the proceeds are concerned, the company flagged in its forward guidance, uh, the first priority is to recharge its CapEx uh, coffers. Now, uh, Nathan, you've always been a big fan of uh, mineral resources. You talk about it often on the call. Number one, is this a good deal for mineral resources? Number two, is Chris Ellison, I think it is, who's the the boss of Mineral Resources, saying this is the peak of the lithium market and I'm getting out. And should we all
2: follow? Yeah, that's that's the interesting one. Um, Minres has a huge advantage over a lot of other iron ore plays because it probably has the best iron ore exposure for a small cap, but it's actually not that small. It's quite big. Uh, So it tends to be a fan favourite. Now, the CEO, he's a dividing character. Some people love him. Uh, some people don't. <laughs> and, and it kind of hurts their stock selection. Uh, so you kind of have to ignore that part. But look, he's been really, really good. He, the track record is amazing. He gets his hands into the pies as things improve. And he has a knack of getting out before things go a bit patient. So you have to take it seriously when he's selling out of lithium at this point. But on the flip side, he already has his own play in lithium. So he doesn't necessarily have to be in that. So there is a certain amount of, I suppose, justification to it. When you're locking in that kind of profit at any time, it's, it's a good trade. So it's hard to look badly. Um, I think min res, as it is, um, it's probably in that cycle with where iron ore is. It's got a huge exposure to it. So in that context, in, a, in an uncertain iron ore play, this is probably going to come back a bit more. I know people were getting overly excited when it got to $60, $70. At that point, it was actually pricing way too much. The risk return didn't make up for me. Uh, but here, it's actually not too bad, but I think there's still more downside. I wouldn't jump in and buy min here, but I think there is another cycle lower for iron ore, and that's probably the time to jump in. The Chinese data over the last couple of weeks been atrocious, uh, so I don't see the real reason to jump in till the Chinese move on stimulus. Uh, trying to pick the bottom on these things can be very painful. So I'm staying out of it Look, the EV thematic is very strong. You can see how what's playing out, you know, in a number of different sectors. I mean, a number of different regions playing into the EV play. So all those commodities will continue to play. I think lithium is one of the solutions, so it'll play. But geez, a lot of those have had massive runs, huge runs. So taking profit is not a bad thing here.
0: Yep. And, And you were saying mineral resources, even though it's getting out of Pilbara, still has its own lithium play anyhow.
2: That's right. I mean, you, it's the two that stand out for me in that category is uh, Min Resources and IGO. Um, right. They're giving you that double play. And in these kind of uncertain markets, you always look at these double plays with good management.
0: Yep. Uh, Rob, what, do, what did you think of the uh, the deal today and also Mineral Resources stock price at the moment?
1: Yeah, so look, we'd agree with Nathan about um, you know not wanting to buy in at these levels. Um, you know, if we held it, we'd lighten it. Um, you know, they're doubling down on their iron ore play. Um, previously, back in January, their share price, rightly or wrongly, had a, a really huge positive correlation to the lithium price. Uh, it was about ninety-seven um, percent, I believe, uh, and it's currently down to about eighty odd percent. Uh, which would kind of back up more about the actual revenue composition, where currently they've got about 82% of their revenue comes from iron ore, uh, 15% from mining services, and only about 3.5% from lithium sales themselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, people have always looked at mineral resources and thought lithium, but really it's been all about the iron ore. Um, I'm not sure... If the viewers would remember, but back in October 2016, when Mineral Resources actually got their um, you know 5.4% stake in PLS, it was actually because of a dispute uh, and and trying to re- resolve a royalty and offtakes um, disagreement. So that's how they got the stake. Um, as Nathan said, they're selling it for you know a couple of hundred million dollar profit uh, today. So that's going to be good for them. Um, but they're really doubling down into the iron ore um, space. Um, you know, they're taking a 40% direct interest on top of the 4.5% indirect interest uh, in the Red Hill Iron Ore joint venture. Um, so, yeah, look, we're probably the same opinion of Nathan. In the iron ore probably isn't um, going to be going gangbusters anytime soon. Um, you know, for us, if we had clients... Who were wanting to get exposure to either iron ore or lithium we'd say uh in iron ore would probably prefer uh grange resources which is a stock that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago um, and if they wanted to get exposure to lithium we'd point them towards um, pls actually uh, if there was a developed lithium play. Or, as I've said a number of times, uh, Pan-Asian Metals, which is uh, the up-and-comer Lithium Play, which uh, coincidentally popped about 400% last week. So uh, still good value in that one uh, as if you're into small stocks. Otherwise, PLS for your Lithium as well.
0: Okay. All right. Let's get into the stocks that uh, you want to view on. And uh, Rob, Ben wants a view on Airtasker, the uh, online marketplace which sort of connects people and businesses to to get work done. Only recently, it's sort of a casual jobs marketplace. Everyone knows Airtasker. Only recently listed in March, but for the financial year 2021, sort of beat all its uh, prospectus um, guidance um, and ended up uh, pretty good operating positive operating cash flow as well. Uh, what do you think of Airtasker?
1: There was a lot of hype when it first uh, floated, you know, the, the owners and directors owned a large uh, amount of the the stock and a lot of the rest of it was given out to employees. So the free float was actually quite small and that saw a, a massive spike in the stock in the first three days of listing. I think the IPO price might have been around 60 cents from memory uh, mm-hmm. and it spiked up to like a $1.97. So obviously a lot of steam in it. Um, Ever since then, though, the stock's just uh, pulled back all the way back down to, um, you know, 96 cents where it is today. Uh, Yes, their results did beat the uh, prospectus pro forma estimates that they gave. Um, Yep, you know, their their revenue growth was great, 37%, uh, EBITDA at 16%, NPAT at 5%. So they are putting up some good numbers. That being said, even with the pullback where it is, um, the valuation seems a bit stretched for us. Um, you know the enterprise value to revenue which is really the only numbers we can use to to give guidance on it from a fundamental perspective because it's so early and it's in its uh, listing and reporting of 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 data Um, they're on a 15 times multiple for FY21 that's what the results said Uh, and their guidance is for about 11 times EV to rev multiple for FY22 so you know that's a bit stretched for us um, you know, we do like the company fundamentally. We do believe it's going to be one of those companies that reports, also that does quite well from a, a breakout of this lockdown that we're in with COVID. Uh, we are seeing a huge number of, a disproportionate number of people looking for people or posting jobs on Airtasker, as opposed to people actually going to uh, you know, fulfilling that that need. Um, and there's a lot of jobs that can be posted that at the moment, um, because of the lockdown can't be like, you know, house cleaning and, and, Mm. you know, going over inside of people's houses and things. So um, we do think it'd be a good breakout play. Our only question comes down to valuation. And right now it's a little bit stretched and we're also not seeing any kind of support from the actual share price movement. So um, we like to see technicals as well as fundamentals uh, be shown before you step into to buy a stock. And from a technical perspective, we'd need to see the share price at the moment uh, tick over about a dollar five we actually want to see support come in before we put our money into it okay
0: all right mathan
2: yeah up. look it's hard to disagree i mean it's it's a punky stock what they were doing is quite interesting it was fitting into a, a gap in the market that needed to be filled um so i can see where the uh the concept or i mean i suppose the optimism came in uh it was jammed up way too quick uh before it could prove itself look is it going to beat its prospectus? It needs to. I mean, if you can't beat your prospectus, uh, you need to be shot uh, because that's set up for a beat. So I don't think that's a huge play, but I like what they do and I've used their product. So I'm, I'm a fan. I, I think it, it serves a purpose and I think the purpose works well. Now, the question would be is, um, you know, I, I'm not a fan of anything that underperforms in the first six to nine months after an IPO. That's always a statistical mess. But in saying that there's always a but uh, in saying that you're in a pandemic, things get thrown out. This is interesting that they went and floated it this period, like even after the first initial bounce back, as we were opening up, they floated it, which was always high risk. And that hasn't worked out for them. So, yes, it was pumped up and it's basically slid back. Um, So does it look interesting? I agree with Robert in the context that valuation is not cheap. So I don't think anyone is going to get excited quickly. But it's one that you want to keep on your shopping list. If the market has a pullback, which I think in the, in the next two to three months at some point it's going to have that, uh, when it happens, people throw everything out. This is one of those ones I think worthwhile looking at. It's unique. And in a recovery cycle, it'll do well. Mm. And as Australians, we spend way too much money on our properties. And we put so much (laughs) garbage that needs to get done. And people like me just are not good enough to do it. So I need to get someone else to do it, which costs me money. So this kind of fits into that. So uh, I think if you look at the sales out of Bunnings, all the people who've done really, really bad projects need (laughs) to get fixed. So these guys will get projects. So um, (laughs) I think it'll be a good play in a pullback. I'd be buying it. It's one on the shop list.
0: All right. Okay, um, Walter. Uh, Nathan wants to view on Westgold Resources. Walter says I received Westgold shares as a spin-off from shares I I held in Metals X in my share portfolio. It is listed as a strong buy. Uh, what's the uh, the panel's assessment? Of course, it's a explorer and developer of gold mines in uh, uh, in WA mainly in the Murchison region. Um, how does Westgold rate for you, Nathan?
2: Uh, look, there's a couple of uh, dimensions to this at uh, this right now, because of what's happening in the index changes as well. So first one, you look at the macro. We've just had retail sales in Europe uh, fall below expectations. People are worried about stagflation in Europe. Then you had non-farm payrolls on Friday night in the US. Again, that was a massive miss. Um, I look up, it, it shouldn't surprise people, but you're seeing slowing growth. So stagflation risk is becoming much more obvious. And that's positive for gold. Um, yield is relatively low, real yields are negative. So, all of these things are positive for gold. And gold bounced back now, it's about, what well, I think it's about 1830 on. So, um, the bounce back in gold will do well for the sector. I suspect that's going to do well for every stock. Now, West Gold probably is underperforming today, is mainly because the smb index changes announced on Friday night removed it from, I think, the 300. Now, what happens when the index gets removed? is the passive money sales. So the passive funds, they're just a uh, index replicator, so they will sell out of it. So you've got a few days of weakness that's probably going to play out for West Gold, despite a bounce in the Aussie Gold, uh, sorry, despite the bounce in the Spot Gold. So I wouldn't get worried about what's happening today, but in a longer term perspective over the next three to six months, I think West Gold does well. Look, I think West Gold is a better, uh, I suppose, investment than Metal X for me uh, on the quality of it. So I think they'll do well. They're in a good range as far as the location is concerned. Uh, The commodity is positive. Macro is positive. So I'm positive on the gold sector. I'll be holding Gold. Okay. Uh,
0: Rob?
1: Yeah, so um, just just touching on the removal, it's actually coming out of the S&P 200 index. So it's even a little bit more disastrous than just coming out of the 300 because so many more managed funds that are passive actually follow the 200. So um, that's definitely not working in its favor at the moment. Um, totally agree with what Nathan said about, um, you know, being longer term bullish on gold. We've said for a long time now that um, we're, we're just waiting for the stimulus uh, package being rolled out by Biden to start taking effect. Uh, see the US economy start to grow, uh, see the interest rates start to take off, which would normally be a bit of a negative towards gold. But uh, once it jumps that hurdle and people start getting concerned about inflationary uh, pressures or stagflation, as Nathan said, then that's when gold tends to be uh, picked up as a fear place. So um, happy to be looking at gold um, in, in a couple of months, maybe probably not quite yet at these, uh, this point in time. Um, look, I would also say from a pure technical, and we might do this a few times if you don't mind today, David, but um, there's a few companies we're going to talk about which Um, have underperformed, they've fallen through the 200 day moving average, which, you know, I say repeatedly to clients, it should be um, almost like a a mandatory stop loss in your portfolio. Uh, It really does show when institutions are no longer interested in a stock. Um, This particular company, it broke down below the 200 day moving average back in February. Uh, It came back up to the underside of the 200 in April uh, when the stock was trading around $2.36 um, that's a clear sell signal for us. Um, look, it's now down at $1. $.76. It's dropped 25% since then, uh, meaning you're going get a, you need a 33% rebound just to get back up to break even. plus yeah. on top of that you've wasted four months worth of uh, opportunity costs. So um, look that's just from a pure you know, portfolio management you know, technical play. Um, this company look there's some good and bad things that they've been doing. Uh, The maiden dividend was quite good to see come out. It's not often you get money back out of a gold mining company, particularly a a relatively small one like this. Um, They're all in sustainable costs, kind of middle of the road. They're about fifteen hundred dollars per ounce. So it's, it's not great. It's not terrible. Um, They've got a good, uh, strong cash at bank position, about $157 So unlike other gold companies, you don't expect them to have to do a a capital raising anytime soon. But uh, just generally, look, we wouldn't be wanting to buy gold anywhere, really. But if we did have to uh, put gold in a portfolio right now, we'd probably be looking at something like Oceania gold. Uh, which has cleared the 200 and looks like it's building some nice support. Seems like there's some institutional money getting behind it. So um, Oceania Gold where we take our first um, look into the gold sector at this point in time. All
0: right. Um, Rob, Richard uh, wants a view on uh, Cluey, the the online educational and and tutoring business, which uh, with so much homeschooling at the moment, you'd think, this is a pretty, pretty much a sweet spot for uh, for a company like this. Um, recently, um, put in a bid purchase Code Camp, for eight million dollars, uh, which is a company that uh, teaches kids um, coding and digital skills online. Uh, what do you think of Chloe?
1: Yeah, look, I got really excited when I was, um, you know, looking at this company uh, over the weekend. I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, Nathan can help us out and, and put this in the Osbys uh, portfolio. Uh, look, this is a buy for us. We look. Technically, we'd prefer to pick it up on a little bit of weakness, maybe in the uh, 120 to 130 range. But on the first sign of strengthening in the share price, uh, we'd participate and, and, and buy this up. Um, huge increase in, in all the key major uh, metrics, revenue, EBITDA, NPAT, growth of you know, 80 to mid-20s across all of them. They did do a $12 million placement um, Tuesday last week at $1.15. Uh, that was to raise money for the purchase of that code camp which looks absolutely fantastic as a business. Um, you know, I actually want to go and sign myself up uh, to learn computer coding there, the, the different, um, you know, courses that they had for kids, helping them build their own um, computer game, which is obviously the hook to get kids interested in coding. Looks fantastic. Uh, on top of that, Cluey themselves to, um, you know, support in math and English for uh, years uh, or two to 12 for, for kids. They do chemistry for years 11 and 12. They do NAPLAN test preparation. They also do the uh, literacy and numeracy testing at, uh, for the initial teacher education, which is what you've got to do as a teacher before you can actually start teaching uh, maths and English and things like that. Um, so, and as you said, Dave, look, it's a great uh, position for them at the moment with COVID and everyone getting more comfortable with uh, online communications Um, one of the the great things that we saw about this was um, there was a global survey run by uk tutoring firm brambles uh, and it said that pre-lockdown 82 percent of tutors did no online tutoring at all yet currently 99% of tutors and teachers expect to deliver most of their lessons online over the next 12 months. So there's there's a huge shift going on. And these guys are so well positioned to take advantage to it. Uh, We we would definitely support um, buying the stock for the clients. Uh,
0: Nathan, how's your enthusiasm to uh, to, CodeCat, to Chloe?
2: Yeah, I had no clue of this stock beforehand, but Robert's right. It's an absolute humdinger. Uh, it is a, it's a really good stock, uh, and they've done really good things. The macro is really positive. Um, you know, you couldn't time it any better. Uh, if you're going to walk into a pandemic, you want to have things working on your side, and that's what these guys have. Interestingly enough, CodeCamp is a product that I actually looked at for my kids before, so I kind of know the product. It's a really, really good product. So the fact that these guys are stepping up to buy that is a huge positive Uh, management seems to be doing all the right things, Um, you know, and this is a look, it's got everything working for it. The trick is, do you trust the management to execute so far? They've done the right things. The acquisition is great. uh, The numbers look great. The area is great. The macro is great. So you you just got to sit there and say, look, till they get something wrong, you want to be there. And I think it's a really good quality stock. Again, this is one of the great things about being in this show, David. Uh, I did not know about this stock. I knew Code Camp and I didn't even know they were sold. So um, learning these things and you pick up these things, you you know get new ideas all the time.
0: Yep. And you've got Code Club is the other one in a lot of primary schools, which is more an industry volunteer, tech industry volunteer run one. So, uh, OK, there you go, Richard. Uh, a good thumbs up from both uh, Nathan and Rob on that. Uh, Nathan Shahana wants a view on APA. Shahana says, "Can you get the uh, experts to look at the stock recent pullback with the dividend of five point seven percent? Is it worth getting in?" Um, APA is a is a network of gas pipelines around the country. Think of it as the as the gas. Equivalent of uh, Transurban with the toll roads. Uh, APA takes a clip of everything that goes through it. Through it, but unlike toll roads, uh, governments don't set a uh, a limit on how much you can charge. Um, always been a good dividend yield. Nathan, is it still
2: attractive? Look, um, boring is sexy again. Uh, when you got markets <laughs> in uncertain territory, uh, you know, boring, ugly stuff brings back sexy. I mean, who wanted to touch an airport in a pandemic? I guess everyone now. Um, yeah. And, you know, you had number of infrastructure assets in play. Oh, I like APA. It's so boring. You have to look at it. Um, I think it depends on what your perspective is. If you're looking for a solid yield, I think APA is fine. Uh, I think it's solid. I think the there's not like suddenly someone's going to come and compete with them. Um, the yield will be relatively good. Just got to remember where we are in the cycle. So we're in a reflation cycle. Sure, central banks are manipulating it, but they can only do so much and inflation is rising. So if you look at in a longer term perspective, a yield is going to go higher, rates are going to go higher. So that'll put pressure on these kind of business models that are highly leveraged. But I think they're okay. They, they've done well. I think the, the whole gas play will continue to play well. And I think they'll be a good machine. So if you're looking for a steady yield, Nothing, you know, that's not going to shock you, and you just want, you know, safety. This one will do quite well, but if I'm bringing ten to fifteen stocks in the current macro, this just doesn't stack up for me. So I'm not a buyer. But if you if you want that perspective, I think it's a good buy. So for me, it's a hold. Uh, but yeah, it depends on what you're looking for in your portfolio. Yep. Rob.
1: Yeah. Look, um, I, I agree with Mason that it's not a buy uh, at the moment for us. Um, and shouldn't be for anyone really going out there. If you had in your portfolio, uh, the damage has already been done since it made its report. Um, That that pushed it back down below the 200 day moving average. In fact, um, you know, very similar story to to what we just mentioned uh, with this stock falling below the 200 day moving average. Um, Back in uh, August last year, Um, You know, it was down at, uh, it was up at, sorry, 10.95, it's now down at 9.15, so it's another 16% drop. You need a 20% rally just to break even, so that should have been the first signal to get out purely on your your management of the position within your portfolio. Uh, As far as the stock itself and the fundamentals go at the moment, it missed uh, analyst expectations, um, you know, that was lower end of guidance for EBITDA and it only came in about $1.64 billion. Um, you know, they've failed to meet our expectations uh, of the market for quite a while. The free cash flow was, was um, you know, pretty disappointing as well. It's actually lower than FY17, which, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a long time in the past to not be able to get your free cash flow above that. So. For us, we wouldn't be buying it and uh, we think there are safer uh, plays out there to pick up yield. It's not something that's um, been beaten up for the last couple of years. And I, I know what Nathan was saying, you know, it's, it's a, the, the cycle's not right and maybe you can buy the bottom. But um, this thing's fallen so far, I just think you can, you've can. you got time on your side, you can wait for the market yeah. to get interested and start buying it up before you have to be the first person to put your money in. So there's nothing okay. wrong with, with following people. Uh, and for this one, we wouldn't be putting money into it just yet.
0: Okay. Uh, James wants to view, um, Rob, on Hello World Travel, the uh, international and domestic uh, travel agent. Uh, also, the I think the federal government is one of its uh, big customers as well, does a, a lot of uh, government work um, run by Andrew Burns, who's the the major shareholder in it. Uh, what do you think of Hello World Travel?
1: Yeah, look, we don't mind it. Uh, we'd be happy to hold it if you've seen your portfolio. It's not our preferred exposure in the um, you know reopening of COVID and, and where people will start travelling again. Uh, our number one play for some time has been Webjet. Uh, yep. This stock has rallied quite sharply over the last uh, two weeks. Uh, It was just under the 200 day moving average um, on Friday. Today it's actually popped through that. Uh, So you'd want to see some kind of confirmation of holding above the 200 before you might even look to to top up your allocation. Um, One of the big things for Hello World that people need to be aware of is that um, Qantas in in trying to um, cut costs have done a number of things. So on top of their wage freeze for two years, uh, and some other cost-cutting measures, they've also decided to cut the commissions that they're going to pay uh, agents to book international fares that are ticketed here in Australia. So they're cutting from 5% commission down to only 1% commission. That's wow. a pretty big... Yeah, mm-hmm. so so that's going to be felt pretty hard by um, all the travel agents. Uh, it doesn't come into full effect until uh, July next year. So they've got over had over a year from when it was first announced. To make sure they've got other revenue streams but um you know for that reason you know it's, it's never going to be our preferred name um you know something like webjet that had webbeds which was the fastest growing b2b business in the world before COVID hit um uh, that, that would definitely still be our play but uh look it's, it's okay keeping your portfolio whatever it holds above the, the 200 i think you'll do really well out of it just not as good as what you could do in something like a webjet in our opinion hmm. okay
2: Nathan. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one because we've been uh, a fan of Flight Center and Webjet before. Uh, when the cluster started in New South Wales, we moved out of those uh, the whole sector um, simply because of you know how the cluster works out. Once it starts, these things cannot be controlled. There's too much politics and people don't lock down and it becomes a mess, etc. What's happened? Um, but the bigger problem is what Rob said. That's one of that, uh, the fact that the margins are cut. Number two is you have to remember over the last year and a bit during the post-pandemic era, all of these travel stocks have issued a lot of shares, a lot of shares. So they've diluted uh, their earnings quite a bit. So your earnings per share growth is going to be much lower than what it would have been uh, in a pre-pandemic world. So there's a lot more shares in play. So growth rates have to go dramatically higher uh, to, on a per share basis to get the growth rate back to what it was before. So you've got diluted quite a bit. Number two is that a lot of the business recovery, uh, what we're seeing in major economies that have opened up, is that that's actually not coming back as much because people are now used to uh, doing Zooms and Skypes. Um, So they're not traveling as much. So the business recovery is much more, I suppose, long dated, and it'll take a lot longer than what people think. So I think that recovery cycle and the travel, tourism, and you have to remember, the vaccines are in major developed countries the emerging markets, it's not there. That's going to take well into next year before they are covered by vaccines. So again, traveling would be restricted to certain areas. There'll be travel hubs and certain areas will do okay. The other areas won't do okay. So the, the travel is recovery will take a much longer period. I think it'll take a couple of years to get back to what it is. So you are paying a lot more for what it is. Hello World is okay, but it doesn't benefit from the other, obviously the global play. And also it doesn't benefit from the short squeeze where if you look at Flight and Web, they're one of the you know heavily shorter stocks. So when macro thematics change, the hedge funds have to cover up and you get the short squeeze and these stocks run up hard. And that's what's happening to Flight Centre and Web at the moment. Um, but the longer term thematic doesn't work for me. So I think the travel sector, in the online play, I think in the short term, you've got this trade with opening up and people will get excited, but the medium to long term is still a struggle. So um, if I you're there for the short short term trade, I'm happy, but in the long term, I'm not. Okay, all right. Let's just recap the first five stocks. Mineral
0: Resources, uh, a no from both uh, Rob and Nathan uh, based on the uh, the iron ore price. Air Tasker, a no. Uh, West Gold, a uh, hold from Nathan. A no from Rob, prefers Oceania uh, Resources. Cluey, a yes from uh, from both um, Nathan and Rob. APA, a hold from Nathan if you're a long-term very defensive investor who wants dividend yield, uh, no from Rob, hello world, um, a hold from Rob, but prefers Webjet and a no from Nathan. Um, if we uh, here at the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NAB Trade. Any stocks like uh, Cluey that gets thumbs up from both our expert panel goes into the portfolio, if it comes up again and doesn't get unanimous thumbs up or or a hold, uh, it goes out. Let's take a look at the returns. Last week, up 1.37% for the month, up 3.6% since the 1st of July. Uh, this financial year, up almost 6%. And since, the, since inception, the 1st of July last year, it's up 43%. Take a look at some of the stocks recently added. PWR Holdings, Resimac, PointsBet, Harvey Norman and Camplify. Uh, Some of the stocks removed, Rays, Appen, Flight Centre and Vanguard's Global Value Equity Active. If you you want to see all the uh, stocks in the call's portfolio, head to osbys.co forward slash portfolio. All right, let's get into the second half of the the call. And Matt wants a view on Credit Clear, uh, the fintech. Um, Matt says, big fan of Credit Clear, think they can be the next Aussie fintech darling, their customers and revenue are on the up, and the UK and US are about to uh, be embarked on transparent management, what are your thoughts, would be great um, if uh, for Nathan's view on this, it's in the uh, um, uh, very similar business to a, a sort of a tech version of uh, Credit Corp, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Look, again, it's, it's a, you know, the stocks that I didn't know about, I'm learning and it's great. Uh, look, I think it's a great stock. Um, it's an interesting stock. It's a micro cap. You can say fintech payment management, um, good uh, online model, looks quite interesting, um, you know, global play potential. Uh, numbers are all moving in the right direction. And, you know, I guess, there are a few things that I, it always worries me. It's, it's micro caps early in the stage, so there's obviously a risk. No brokers are covering it, um, mind you. That probably tells me that they, they don't have to raise money. Um, but then on the other side, <laughs> look, the macro. You know, you know, slowing global growth um, is going to get harder uh, with consumers. Um, you can see why buy now, pay later is in play because governments are trying to pump consumers with more credit than uh, they can't do through the banks. So buy now pay later has come through that in that uh, I suppose logic uh, so in that context they can get themselves into trouble but I like what they're doing it's it looks pretty easy clean card um, look it looks interesting um, I'm definitely interested but the only problem is I look at where we are in the macro cycle and consumers are obviously struggling and if you look at the macro of stagflation consumers are finding rising cost hitting them everywhere and that is not the time to go into debt traders and As good as this looks, it can get itself into trouble. So I think there's a risk that most of these stocks will come back. So I'm keeping this on the shopping list. Uh, If the market has a pullback on slowing growth, this will be one of those ones I'd be keeping an eye on. Okay, Rob?
1: Yeah, we agree. This would be a shopping list stock. Uh, It does look interesting. Uh, It's not the right time for us to get invested in it. In fact, we'd lighten it. Um, In in fact, if you look at the charts, it's extremely uh, comparable to uh, Airtasker that we spoke about at the beginning of the show. Um, Both of them have been listed only for a very short period of time. Both of them had a huge ramp up in the first couple of days and both of them have just drifted ever since. So uh, the market really hasn't figured out. Uh, what fair value for this stock should be. Um, What these guys are doing, they're bringing this technology platform into the the debt-collecting space. So they've Mm -hmm. got three parts of their business. There's the digital business, which is providing the the platform to the the companies that either need to have their debt chased or just as a a simple receivables management software uh, option. That generates about 32% of their revenue. Then the traditional um, uh, debt collecting services, um, you know, actually you know, writing letters and phone calls and emails and all the things that they do, you know, to, to get money back out of people who who owe a debt, that accounts for about 45 percent of their uh, revenue. The third part is uh, what happens when. People don't pay their money back and and having to chase them through legal uh, avenues and get the lawyers involved and take them to courts. Now, currently, that represents about 23 percent of their revenue, which really kind of raises a red flag as to how effective this technology that they're bringing into a very traditional Kind of industry you know knock on the door at you know 11 o'clock at night it's some some big bikey guy you know asking for money back kind of thing um you know how how useful is this technology going to be um you know they did ink a really nice deal in in april it was an eight hundred thousand dollar contract over two years with suncorp uh there's an option for them to re-sign suncorp to another eight hundred thousand dollar deal over two years and pick up additional business so they, they are doing some good things they've got Good cash at bank, there's just over ten and a half million there. Uh, And at their current cash burn rate, uh, which is about four million, uh, they've got about 2.7 years. So again, no need for them to come out and do another capital raising anytime soon. But the biggest red flag for us is the fact that, you know, 23% of their revenue is coming from this uh, legal uh, revenue stream and the fact that the market just hasn't found a a price to to get involved. So um, we wouldn't jump in there um, if you weren't already in it. If you are in the stock. We'd say that um, you know, put a put a stop around 46 cents. If it falls below that, uh, it's breaking to all-time lows. Market's telling you that there's that they just don't understand it, or there's something wrong with it. Um, okay. Otherwise, if it started jumping above 66, then that would be the point where we'd start getting clients to look at and say, look, the story's probably getting understood. Maybe they've got some proof mm. um, that the fundamentals are starting to kick in, and we could go and buy it
0: then. Okay. All right, Jeff, one of you, um, uh, Rob, on Australian Strategic Materials. Uh, Jeff says, with China withholding rare earth from the rest of the world, does this make uh, Australian Strategic a buy? Major manufacturers like Hyundai, Samsung, LG, all making arrangements to uh, purchase from ASM. Is it worth a small uh, holding in this rare earth company?
1: Yeah, so look, this is a, a speculative buy uh, for us. So if you're in the really, um, you know, kind of high volatility trades, you know, if there's a small port of your, part of your portfolio available and open to that, then sure, you could, you could give this a go. Um, they're, they're doing some good things that are being recognised. Um, they are going to get added to the ASX 300 uh, on the 20th of September. So that's a, a starting point, uh, probably, you know, six, nine months down the track, after you get into the 300s, normally a stepping stone, if you're continuing to do well to get added to the uh, 200 index. um, They have been um, processing metals and alloys and and battery powders in South Korea uh, with a view to sell these directly into the South Korean market, uh, which is expected to be home to some of the largest new battery tech companies in the world. Um, And if we add the fact that uh, China is potentially restricting their exports of, um, you know, these rare earths, then the demand for the ASM products should be quite high. So... Um you know, even if we were to compare it with something like Linus Corporation, which a lot of people have kind of got really excited about and, and how much uh, rare earth they're producing. Uh, this also has a competitive advantage against them as well, given the fact that, you know, Linus are operating over in Malaysia and, and uh, these guys have a lot more efficient um, routes to market over in South Korea. So, yeah, it, it's a speculative buy for us. Uh, mm. If you can put a small amount in, n- not a problem.
2: Okay, My then? Yeah, rare earth is not as rare, but the process is very hard. Uh, so it's about the guys who can get the process up and running. Uh, we've we played it, as Rob said, we've actually played it through Linus, and you can see the thematic through Linus. When Linus runs, all of these guys run. And I, I think uh, Australian strategic metals are a pretty decent play. Um, they've got pretty good uh, deals to go forward with. Um, I don't think the Chinese geopolitics is going to settle down anytime soon. Um, so there is a play in that. Um, and yes, in this sector, you are playing a, a, a speculative play. So I, I think it's worth it. You're playing uh, the supply side shock um, and that's where this one plays quite well. And, you know, it's there isn't a lot of players that you can back in that space um, at this point. And uh, I think Australian strategic backs up quite well. So look, it's, it's hard to go into something that's had a good run uh, and you're sitting there going, how do I value this and so forth? But I think, Uh, If you've been there, I wouldn't get out. I'll be in it for the uh, the ride. If you are not uh, there and you're looking at it uh, Fresh, I'd probably take a small bite and have a look at it in three months We're just in a tough part of the market cycle. So you might get it again cheaper So look if you're putting 100 bucks in I'll probably buy 30 to 40 bucks and see what it does And if it starts to recover then I'll start buying more. So I think it's a long-term play uh, the management's done well, executed well so far, so I'm happy to back them.
0: Okay. Uh, Gatika, Nathan wants a view on um, Pointera. Um, it's the, uh, the 3D spatial technology for uh, management workflows. Uh, pretty good increase in revenues for the, uh, for the June quarter. Recently announced. What do you think of Pointera?
2: Yeah, this is like a, a geek stock, right? Yep. Every data guy would love this kind of thing. So, you know, this is this is what, you know, I, I've been looking at this for a long time, and I was like, oh, I'll wait for it to deliver, and I'll jump in, and I'll be looking, looking, and then Bevan Slattery came, and the damn thing just went boom. Um, and so mm. we all we all lost interest straight away. Uh, Bevan Slattery is just, just bad for geeks. It kills all stocks. Um, but now it's come back. Uh, look, the thing is, the market is starting to look at it more uh, logically. Um, look, it's a really interesting stock it's doing interesting things but doing interesting things doesn't necessarily mean they're a good investment this is one of those things that you learn the hard way Mm -hmm. interesting things are worth investing in when they're at bottom and no one loves it and then you're looking for the speculative turnaround as they deliver what they're supposed to but when it runs up there's a lot of expectations built in so this is one of those ones where it got overly excited had a huge run Now you've got people losing money and gradually as they lose more and more, they sell and it's just been fading and fading. Um, The execution is not there yet. Um, Will it comes through? That's pretty much it. I'm just waiting for it to beat expectations and I'm going to jump in. I like the thematic. I like what they're doing, but obviously the expectations are too high at the moment, still trying to execute. So I'm waiting for it to hit the numbers. And once you get that first upgrade, i'm in for it but at the Mm. moment it's still in a downgrade cycle so i'm not jumping in Uh, rob
1: yeah this is all comes down to to valuation versus hype um, Mason's 100% correct that the stock's been way overhyped and it looks like it's going to come off um potentially quite significantly. Uh from a from a technical point of view, there's a couple of major alerts going on at the moment. Um I won't get into all the the, the details, but a few months ago there was some uh, technical reasons to be getting out of this stock uh with two distinct price range targets. One of them's in this 36 to 38 cent range, which is where we're just settling on now. The next one is down at the 25 to 29 cent range. Now, the unfortunate thing about that for existing shareholders is, if it breaks 30 cents, um, who knows how far this stock could right. fall? It'll be. It could be a very sharp move lower. So, um, we'd definitely be recommending, you know, giving the general advice to people. say, look, uh, sell or lighten your position here, depending on um, how and you are with with the stock. But, um, yeah, for us, it's too high risk right now. The other thing that we'd point out too, and this raised a red flag from our our analysts, is to say their salary costs seem abnormally high. Um, You know, their salary costs came in about $3.1 million which is about 68% of their receipts. Um, If you add into that, you know, the R&D component, which is just under 1.5 million, uh, that made up the other 32% of receipts. So uh, obviously there are additional costs outside of R&D and and salary. So um, they've got cash burn going on um but you know really like we mentioned on, on one of the earlier stocks if we look at the enterprise value divided by uh, revenue which is one of the the ways you value a a young kind of or high-tech startup with um, really ramping um, it comes at a 65 times multiple uh, which is extraordinarily high so yeah, there's absolutely no way we could get involved in this stock uh, until you know mm. their the revenue, increases significantly more from where it is.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, Rob uh, Shabir wants a view on uh, Ansel. Uh, Shabir says, strong profit number, uh, record dividend with the recent pullback. Is it time to buy this stock? Short-term headwinds with some factories closed and an increase in freight costs. Uh, Shabir says, she's really put you on the line here, Nathan. Uh, I remember Nathan mentioned once that this was one of the highest quality companies in the ASX. Of course, um, it's in the, the sale of, of gloves, protected personal equipment, uh, two main businesses, healthcare and industrial. Uh, what do you think of it, Rob? And then we'll get on to the Ansel Guru, according to Shabir.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, look, um, you know, things change over time. So I'm not <laughs> sure how long ago was it was. Nathan said it was a great company. Uh, look, it is a good quality company. Um, however, we'd be definitely recommending clients lighten at this point in time. Um, you know, again, from a from a technical point of view, this thing was rallying uh, in a range between uh, 34 and a half and 42 and a half cents there about the last uh, 14 months. It's currently trading at about 36 dollars. So um, most people kind of look at that, and go, okay, well, look, we're trading at the bottom of the range. Uh, maybe it's a good buying opportunity. But again, you know, historically, we look at the 200-day moving average. Ansel actually adheres to the 200 quite well. And um, when they posted their most recent results, uh, market did not like them at all. Share price dropped 9% on the day, smashed through the 200-day moving average. Uh, And obviously, this could be the beginning of a... quite similar movement to uh, some of the other stocks we've talked about, you know, GWX, APA and, and uh, Hello World potentially. So, um, look, we, we wouldn't be getting involved in this. In fact, we'd, we'd urge people um, to, to definitely look at lightening this on any kind of rally back up to the 200-day moving average. Um, there's a few issues that they're struggling with. Uh, one of the major ones is the supply chain issue, which is really, uh, we felt, the underlying theme to pretty much every company during reporting season that was in the consumer discretionary space. Um, You know, they're all forecasting, um, you know, less visibility on when they're going to be able to uh, receive their product, the higher cost for transporting uh, their product. Um, You know, on top of that Ansel has some company specific issues that they're trying to deal with. Obviously there's a normalization of demand on their product. Um, when when COVID first hit, everyone knew that the PPE was going to be in really high demand. Um, there are a lot of other players that have kind of coming out and and um, you know making the 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 uh, pricing point for gloves a lot lower. I think that the top five um, OEMs, the original equipment manufacturers over in Malaysia, uh, they've increased production by the billions in gloves. Mm. Uh, the Chinese manufacturers are ad- adding, you know. Uh, hundreds of millions as well. So the price point for their products coming down, their costs are actually going up. So the raw material cost for the nitrile um, butadiene rubber, which is what makes the rubber, it uh, makes the glove, sorry, that's gone up 25% in the last 18 months. Now Ansel's trying to promote the usage of this neoprene glove, uh, which they can get done at a lower cost, but uh, it takes a while for the market to make a transition. Okay. Uh, from one to the other. So there's a lot of headwinds that uh, Ansel has to fight at the moment. Uh, and because of that, you know, it's not worth the risk of our right. client's money. We'd, we'd definitely okay. trim out of it.
0: All right, Nathan. Gee,
2: <laughs> Rob, Rob's really poured cold water on bloody Ansel, has he? Look, that's that's what makes the market. Uh, Ansel is one of the top 10 stocks. Uh, i got no problems with that. Um, it was way overvalued going into the result um, we had a hold on it we knew it was going to get smacked uh, it's just expectations were insane um, it's good but it, it's you know it's no it was priced like a csl uh, it's not a csl yeah. but it's a perfect stock for the macro where it is uh, is cost rising sure uh, I, I think inflation is real um, central banks are delusional but the reality is corporates are facing it now you have to look at corporates who have the pricing power, who can put up the price. Is there competitors? For sure. I mean, there's masks and gloves coming out of everywhere, right? So there will be. Uh, but who are you going to trust? And this is where Ansel comes through. Uh, if you if you've got to risk your health, you're going to worry about some glove that cost in, in a, it's a minuscule cost for most operations. They're not going to take the risk on going for something cheaper. So that's where Ansel has the advantage. But Ansel also is absorbing a fair amount of costs. Can they push it through? Historically, they've been able to put up prices and charge. So I don't think that's they're gonna move quickly, but gradually they will do that. So I think the business is not uh, broken or anything, um, but it's in a tough macro. The valuation was too high, so it's come off. Is that an exciting stock for the next six to 12 months? No, but is it doing what it's supposed to do? Exactly. So it's actually held in our top 10 out of our top 100 stocks. A number of stocks have fallen out. I mean, we've got out of Macquarie, West Farmers, all of these stocks because it is ridiculously priced for what it is. Ansel was ridiculously priced, but we knew that it's got a defense. The the model is good uh, quality for the macro over the next couple of years. I don't think pandemic is going anywhere. We're going to be living in some kind of restriction for years to come. So Ansel will do quite well. So if you if you held it through like we have for the last couple of years, I'm not in a rush to sell Ansel. But if you're a new investor, I wouldn't be jumping in and buying Ansel because it's not going to do a lot in the short term. Valuation is still right. high. and We just don't have clarity going forward. So okay. it's, it's a good defensive play, but it's hard to see upside in the short term. All right. Our final
0: stock, uh, AJ wants to view on Batcorp, the, uh, the big vehicle parts, uh, accessories, automotive equipment group. Uh, uh, AJ says like to uh, get the panel's view uh, after the recent share price weakness. Is this one a good buying opportunity, Nathan?
2: Look, Vapco is a high quality business um, and it's something that I've learned through the the recent couple of years, how well they've executed, Uh, but it's a bit like Ansel. They have had a great macro, they've done really well, but can they keep doing even better The multiples are pricing in a fair bit. It's just hard. So that's why all of these stocks are running into these things. If you held it over the last couple of years, you've done really well. But the question is, can they keep doing it in the next couple of years? It gets tougher and tougher. It's a really good business. I'm not jumping in to buy it, uh, but if you held it, I would still be holding it. Good management, executed really well. I mean, the macro holds up. But if you're a new buyer and you're picking 10 to 15 stocks, these things don't come up. So I I don't think I'm a buyer of Babcock, but it's a hold
0: okay uh rob just quickly on bad corp
1: yeah yeah keeping it quick i totally agree We, we would hold it if you had it uh we wouldn't look to buy it the main problem they've got is supply chain difficulties they can't get the inventories from offshore um they've currently got inventories about 450 mil cash of only 39. problem is if they need to get more cash they're gonna to have to do with what we call promotional risk where they move their inventory onto the floor at massive, you know, reduced prices, clearance sales, uh, which means they don't actually get all the 450 million back in as cash. So uh, big problems there potentially, if um, they can't get the supply chain sorted out, which is why we wouldn't move into it right now, but if you're in it at the moment, they haven't actually, um, you know, those, those issues haven't come to the fore as strongly as what they would, and they are a good quality company. So we could hold it right now, but we definitely wouldn't be going and buying it until that supply chain um, becomes a little bit clearer. Uh,
0: thank you, gents, enjoy the rest of the week.
1: Right. Thanks, David. Thank you.
0: See you guys. Let's recap the, uh, the final five stocks. Credit clear. Uh, watch on a pullback from uh, Mayfin. From uh, quite interested in the business. Um, not at this stage from uh, from Rob. Uh, Australian um, strategic materials uh, speculative buy from uh, from both of them, um, both Rob and Nathan uh, Pointera and no. Um, Nathan thinks it uh, has great potential, but he wants to start it um, getting its numbers and and reaching its promise. Um Ansel a hold from Nathan if you're in it he wouldn't be buying any fresh money into it uh, it's a sell from Rob and likewise with, with Bat Corp. Um if you're in it hold it uh, but if you're not in it no reason to rush in at the moment uh, that's it for our show for today if you'd like uh, any stocks to be put to our panel flick them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or via Twitter using the at Ausbiz TV handle. Uh, See all the stocks in the calls portfolio uh, at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. That's it from me. See you same time tomorrow from midday Eastern for another edition of The Call.